Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 622 of the Juicebox Podcast. Okay, guys, my schedule's all messed up. It is really, really late at night. I have to do this right now so you can get this podcast in the morning, and I'm completely exhausted. So my apologies up front to the Contour X1 blood glucose meter and Touch by Type 1 because your ads may make very little sense. We're about to find out. First, let me tell you that we're about to speak with Pam, who is an adult who's been living with Type 1 for many decades. She really does get me, and uh, it's a fun episode with a lot of chitting and chatting. Chitting and chatting. I'm not going to re-edit anything I say here, so whatever comes out of my mouth is it. I'm so tired. Oh, I just need one good night's sleep, and then I just want to start over again. Uh, please remember that nothing you hear on the Juice Box podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan or becoming bold with insulin. And if you're a resident of the United States and you have type 1 diabetes or are the loved one, a caregiver, they call that, of a child with type 1, t1dexchange.org forward slash juice box. Fill out the survey. All right, here we go. <clears throat> this episode of the Juice Box podcast is sponsored by Touched by Type 1. Learn more about them at touchedbytype1.org, or find them on Facebook and Instagram. The podcast is also sponsored by the Contour Next One Blood Glucose Meter. Go to contournext.com forward slash juice box to get started today with the same blood glucose meter that my daughter uses. I'm going to tell you more about them in the ad break, but for now, just know that they, and by they I mean Contour, and Touched by Type 1, uh-oh, I'm going to start rambling. There's links to them in the show notes of your podcast player and at juiceboxpodcast.com. I'm going to fall asleep sitting here. They're new. I, I bought them just for this. How, why are they giving you a headache? They're a little tight. Are they pinching your head? Yeah. Take them off and stretch them. Oh, all right. Hold on. Go ahead. <laughs> Much better. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> this is all staying in the episode, just so you know. Oh, great. <laughs> great. Headphones 101. Well, not even that. Just, you know, having the nerve to try something 101. Uh, so I guess since we're already going, just introduce yourself. All right. I am Pam Moscow. I've had type 1 since 1975, I was diagnosed at the age of 12. So I've had diabetes for 46 years. Wow. Are you 58 years old? Yes, sir. You're quick. No, so quick. I'm really not. I took a number you gave me and added 12 to it. But, <laughs> and luckily, there were some whole numbers. So they came together pretty simply. <laughs> I love it when that happens. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm just going to start by saying that you are one of the more exuberant people who contact me. Mm. I don't know if that's a, something you know about yourself or not. Not really, no? especially when it comes to type one. I'm usually pretty under the radar. It's funny. What, what made you initially 
ever say hello to me like behind the scenes? I think the first time, actually, I'm not sure I can even say this, but um, the first time I've contacted you, I wanted you to have Dr. Jody Stanislaw on the show. You asked um, me to. You asked me to have somebody on. Okay. Yes. That's a hundred percent right. I remember that exactly right. So, people send me um, suggestions all the time of who to have on, and I've been. Oh, I, now I remember all this. I'm excited that you're on. Um, I'm going to explain this to you and everyone else at the same time. So. I have a theory about podcasts, and I might be right and I might be wrong, but I think that one of the reasons why some podcasts fail is because they're so, oh, I almost used the word that I'm not 100% sure of its meaning, but I think I have it right. It's masturbatory, but it's not in the sexual way. It's a self, um, there's a lot of people, wow, here I go, I don't have enough words for what I need. There are a lot of people trying to make a thing in the world, and some of them are really legitimately great, and some of them are not, and, you know, et cetera. doesn't matter. But they all try to feed each other. So they so a lot of things that – I don't know how to put this. And I might not be talking about your person. I actually am not. I don't, I, I don't know enough about them. But um, it's a lot of, like, empty shirts trying to make themselves look like a suit, if that makes sense. And, okay. and and so these people create these little podcasts or you know whatever like YouTube channels or things. No one's listening to them. They don't. They have no real like you know, I don't know listenership, I guess, or viewers or whatever. And then they kind of set each other up as experts, and then try to they kind of fake it till they make it kind of feeling. And it doesn't work for most of them. And it's a real tried and true. Um, situation you're going to see if you pay attention to these things they all do it like everyone does it like there's a guy from this podcast on that podcast there's a lady from this youtube channel who was on that youtube channel they're all trying to drag their viewers back and forth to each other interesting and i think that what that what that makes happen is you get um practiced voices over and over again people who have um a spiel and then they come on and give it, and I don't find that interesting. And then from there, my next concern is, is that many of these people are trying to build a business, and I do not have the time or wherewithal to look into each and every one of them to make sure that they're a person I'm willing to throw my listenership behind. Ah, uh, gotcha. Okay, and that sure. and that is, um, and I have a significant amount of people listening to me, so that feels like an, a, a real responsibility to me right okay and anyway i think the show's built really well off of just people who like you i i, oh, I completely agree thank you so anyway when sometimes when people send suggestions um and you don't ever hear the person on the show it, it could be because of that it could just be because i don't think they fit somewhere sometimes it's because people don't answer me back there sometimes i i'm like yeah i would love you to be on um mm-hmm. but in i think in the case of yours i think she has a business and I think she also is a is a a common face in the space, and those are things that I avoid. But not mm-hmm. to say she's not a lovely person or wouldn't be an amazing addition to the podcast. It very well could be. Um, I just can't. I can't make those decisions because they come at me too fast and too furiously, and I would eventually end up making a mistake. And 
have a snake oil salesman on here by mistake. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. I, I, I hope I can use her name throughout the episode on occasion. If that you do there are a few yeah. times when I feel like I needed to bring her up because she has helped me so much. Oh no, I would, I would love that. I, yeah, absolutely. There's uh, an episode out last week where people uh, were being name checked that I've turned down for the show and I have no trouble for that being on at all. So okay. I just, can't, I just can't be the one saying, Hey, and then take the risk that, you know, uh, numbers of thousands of people go give them money or something like that. And I find out it's a scam. So I would be, and because there are a lot of, and again, I am not talking about your person, um, Mm -hmm. but I am seeing too much of this on Instagram lately. Like I'm a therapist about diabetes or I have abs, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? So I can tell you how to work out like that. I, and (laughs) just give me a 600, it'd just be $600. Uh, Or, you know, or there's this one person who's like, I'm going to teach you how to be more sexual. And I was like, I got to pay you for that? Like, like you know, like, so I don't know. Anyway, Pam, you've, Fair had, enough. you've had diabetes for a hell of a long time. Yes, I have. <laughs> Indeed. What's it been like retrospectively? You know, it's so interesting. Now, I think I was a little late uh, to the table as far as um, taking advantage of all the things that are out there. Um for one thing, I was busy raising my family. I, I maybe blame a little bit of it on that. And another thing, I'm very private about it. Um, <laughs> I'm starting to come full circle, hence I'm on the podcast. I say so. But um, I, it's almost like it was a different disease back then. Well, I mean, it's the same disease, but you treated it completely differently. You know, I had a friend ask me recently, you know, why didn't your parents help you more? Mm-hmm. And it really took me aback because my parents are great and they, they helped me as much as they could, but there wasn't anything for them to do. I mean, occasionally my parents would say, are you supposed to be eating that? But it's not like they could check my blood sugar and then say, let's dose for it. I mean, I wasn't told to dose for food for an individual meal or snack until I was probably out of college. Yeah. I mean, you woke up in the morning and I started out on one, one mixed shot a day, you know, regular and NPH. And that carried me till the next morning. And, wow. and they also, I had a decent endocrinologist, but I was never told, I was told that I couldn't eat sugar, but I was never told that the insulin was to carry me through all of my meals. I mean, I was on the exchange diet. All I did was follow the rules. I had, you know, two starches and a fat or whatever. I ate what they told me to eat and I weighed it, but it never clicked. It never clicked for me that, um, dang, I could have been taking a little extra, you know, once the, once the fast acting insulins came out, I started to put it all together. But I mean, maybe you couldn't do that with regular insulin. I don't know, but I just can't imagine how high I was probably by the end of the day. Hmm. Do you th- <laughs> every after every meal, especially every dinner. So is it similar to if um I don't know, say you take two pills a day and the pills interact with each other poorly. So the doctor says to you, Hey, here's pill A, take this in the morning, but now here's pill B. Don't take this within three hours of pill A and don't eat any uh acidy foods near pill B. And then you just go, Okay, those are the rules around taking these pills. I'll make sure I don't do those things. However, I don't in any way understand why I've been told this. Yeah. I mean, 
I understood that my insulin, you know, I, I didn't have any insulin production. Mm-hmm. I mean, ha- I ended up going to nursing school. I'm an RN, a BSN. I mean, <laughs> cool. you know, so I knew stuff, but it just never, plus I never went to an endocrinologist who, who told me I could ad lib any of it. I, I was never told anything like that. Even yeah. locally, I've been in this town 33 years and um, I was never, I won't say allowed, but it wasn't until I started to figure things out on my own and met Dr. Jody Stanislaw and then started listening to you and a few other things I, that I put it all together. That's amazing. I mean, it's by the grace of God that I'm here and still doing well. I mean, I, I think I, I don't even know what my A1Cs were back in the day. I don't ever remember that being something my parents discussed. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how long, I don't know when they started doing A1Cs. That's the one thing I meant to look up. I'm sure they did, but is it um, is it impactful to you that you're not certain why you're alive? Um, a little bit, but mainly because in college, you know, there was no blood glucose meter available for home use, at least to me, mm-hmm. until I left for college. Um, I remember being in the endocrinologist's office. I had went and had labs done before I left for school, and the little lab tech came up to me all excited, and she said, "We have this for you." we're giving this to you. It was like a demo or something. And we want you to take this to college. And it was, you know, that one that's the size of a brick yep. and it beeped really loud. And it would beep when you put the blood sample on, it would beep for the last 10 or five seconds that it was counting down. And then it beeped when the sample number was ready. And I was mortified. Yeah. There's no way. And I lived in a suite in college where when you went into that big communal bathroom, there were always other people in there and the few times that I did it in there, um, somebody always said, what is that? Right. Well, why I couldn't just answer them and tell them what it was, I have no idea. But at the time, I couldn't do it. Right. And I didn't want to do it in my room where my roommate was. Why I didn't wait for her to leave and then do it? I don't know. I was busy. So I didn't check my blood sugar much at all in college, which is amazing to me. Yeah. Now, I just know other people with stories similar to yours who are having issues now. Yeah. And I, it, I just wondered if maybe it sometimes it feels like you're in the middle of a hundred car pileup and you're the only one that walks away and there's no rhyme or reason to it. Could be. I've yeah. thought about it some. I mean, I don't know if I was 200 all the time. I don't know if it, I was 140 all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, you'd think if, if I was 140, I would have sometimes dipped low. I don't ever remember going low. Um, maybe once or twice, but it certainly wasn't a thing. You know, and then when we became engaged, got married, and we moved to the town we're in now. Um, I was working as a nurse and, again, still following all of the rules that I had been given. Um, and every time I'd go to the doctor, they'd tell me I was doing great. Well, you know as well as I do, I could easily have had A1Cs and the eights, and they were telling me I was doing great. Mm-hmm. Um, but then we wanted to start thinking about having children, and they told me, I don't remember what it was because our oldest child's 31 but they told me to get my A1C within this range. And I worked really hard um, to do that. And I did that. And we had ended up having four children, all healthy. Um, my A1Cs were all pretty much the same for all four pregnancies, but I didn't have a CGM for any of them. And I didn't have a pump for either of them, that's any of those pregnancies. And that's a lot of work, I don't, a lot of work, Yeah, um, but worth it. Well, I would imagine. Yeah. Uh, but 
isn't it funny? You're like, your A1Cs are great. I'm thinking of having a baby. Ooh, yeah, you're going to want to make your A1Cs better. <laughs> did did you, exactly. you I, I know it's such a long time ago. But yes. I imagine the moment you must have been like, so not great? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, good. I, re- I do remember them. And I remember thinking, which I know is discussed on this podcast fairly frequently. Um, I remember thinking, huh, I wonder why the rules, I mean, I get it. It's a baby. You want the baby to stay in a healthy environment. I thought it was awfully strange that they had such a, a different set of rules for pregnancy and not for the rest of your life. Well, they have they have rules for the baby to be healthy, but apparently rules for you to be healthy-ish. Exactly. <laughs> Pam exactly. is fine if she just, you know, is okay, <laughs> but we don't want to do it to the baby. Um, yeah. Fascinating. Like, I, I'm never not fascinated with, with any idea like that. The, um, yeah. Uh, well, and- it's crazy. And the shame, that was the other thing I wanted to to discuss. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, they would, if I guess I had had some, uh, maybe an A1C that wasn't great at some point, because I remember one time my endocrinologist giving me grief and they didn't tell you, again, it was before you could check your blood sugar and it was before you could really do anything about it. So they would scold you and send you on your way, but not tell you how to, (laughs) how to do it better. Right. Um, the first when we came to this town 33 years ago, I set up an endocrinology appointment and went. And that was back when you had this three pieces of paper. Each of them was for a month. And you had to manually log in your, your number for when you woke up in the morning and before each meal and then at bedtime. So you'd take this, this stack of papers to them and they would go through it and see what your numbers were. And they would circle the ones that were over, I don't know, whatever they thought was bad, maybe over 200 and the nurse that I had to meet with, she looked at me and she said, "Do you think you're you're um? Do you think you're controlled? Do you think you're a controlled diabetic?" And I said, "Well, yes, I I think I am. I mean, I all those boxes were filled in, and they weren't filled in the day the morning I walked in. I mean, I legitimately did it yeah. at the time." And she looked at me and she said, "You are not in control." And I wanted to. I just remember being so defeated by that. It hurt my feelings mm-hmm. so badly. You know, for one thing, of course, I thought of so many things to say later. Um, and I still see her on occasion. She has retired, but she still comes into their office to help them on occasion. I don't like her. She bugs me. But um, <laughs> <laughs> she it just, and again, she was taught, I guess, to treat people that way. She didn't, she doesn't know half of what I know now. I'm, po- I'm positive of that. Um, it just amazes me how I went through so many years of feeling ashamed because my numbers uh, weren't maybe what I had hoped they would be. Or um, So I guess around the time I met Dr. Stanislaw, that's when I was getting tired of all that mm-hmm. and ended up going to that uh, diabetes training camp in, in Maryland that Dr. Matt Corcoran runs, uh, not in Maryland, in Pennsylvania. I don't know if you've heard about that, but it's, um, it's basically for people who are athletic and they want to exercise more without on going low. Right. Um, that's, and that's where I heard about your podcast. Um, actually Jody Stanislaw was my roommate. I already knew her and we planned to be roommates up there, but it was at that, that event that we, that I heard about you. And so we started, you know, started paying attention to everything everyone was saying. And I just like the light switch went on for me that I don't need to feel ashamed anymore. Mm-hmm. Just, um, so I guess I, I say that because I want, I don't know that families nowadays, um, parents with young children, I know there's some shame still involved. Um, I know that there are a lot of people go to the doctor and they don't 
they maybe get the wrists slapped, but they don't receive the proper help. Um, yeah. That's one of the things you've given our community. Um, Dr. Jody's given that to our community and maybe a few other people. Jenny certainly has. Yeah. Um, and I thank you for that so much because it just, um, I mean, I'm better now than ever. That's amazing. I'm stunned that like you want to think that because time moved on and tools got better and technology got better that it wouldn't be the same story. Like I almost mm -hmm. understand it when you're young, those, you know, decades ago and someone's just like, look, eat a fat here, eat a protein here, inject this here. Mm -hmm. We don't, you know, I, I get it. Right. The insulin didn't work very well. They didn't really know what they were doing. They were still learning. I mean, it, it's crazy to think, right? But in the 70s, insulin was only even around for about 50 years. So, you know, people it's it's in its infancy. People are understanding it. I can almost write it off. I can almost understand how it happened. Today, I don't understand. Yeah. You know, like I I don't I don't get how someone could still and I know they do, still get that kind of limited information. Um it, it's 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 fascinating. And and for a nurse to try to, I mean, in my opinion, right, try to boost their own self-worth by taking yours away. I mean, because, you know, you can say that people are in a professional setting and there's an expectation of them. But if you don't think that a shitty person isn't still a shitty person when they go to work, you're out of your mind. You, you know what I mean? So, <laughs> it, so true. right, right. So <laughs> if if I'm standing in front of a nurse who who has, I don't know, a bad upbringing. Let's not even put it on them, right? They have a bad upbringing. They don't feel good about themselves. And a couple of times a day, they need to put a heel in someone else's neck so they can feel better. If you don't think that happens, you're not seeing people clearly. So, yeah. I mean, it sucks that you ran into that. And that for you, so you're a really, listen, I've corresponded with you in email a ton, right? And mm -hmm. so you're a bright person. It's, it's, incredibly obvious over the last 20 minutes and in through the emails. I'm comfortable saying that. And you are, you know, a mother of four kids and you're a survivor. You're a lot of things, but you weren't a person till recently who could like shed that. So that to mm -hmm. me says that it's incredibly impactful and, and probably difficult for most people to wiggle out from under. Do you remember mm -hmm. what did it for you? Um, I think it was age for me. I had just, I mean, I didn't get my first pump until my daughter, our oldest was in college. And that was probably 10 years ago. Mm. I did MDI prior to that. And I, you know, in my adult years was doing quite well with that. But um, no, I think I just, for me, I just got tired. I got worn down from the shame of it all, the, um, the frustration and also started hearing on, on social media and, um, you know, through the podcast, your podcast and a few other things that <laughs> there was actually some help out there that made sense to me. The aspirational um, idea that, oh, yeah. wow, there is, there is a city on the hill. I didn't realize. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, for instance, two more things ragging on the endocrinology practice here in town and the endocrinologist at that group that I, who I see now actually don't really see him. He has allowed me to just come in for blood work, uh, lab work when necessary. And he keeps my scripts up to date. Um, he happens to be a good friend of our family. So it, it's a nice, a nice thing I have going there. But um, when our daughter was born 31 years ago, I took her in for my first post endo post pregnancy or, you know, endo appointment. 
And of course, I'm so proud. I've got my baby. She was a 10 pound baby, but um, they were pleased with my care, uh, with my blood sugar numbers and everything. So everybody was very happy. She was healthy. I tootle on into the appointment and that same nurse sees the baby and she says, oh, let me take her back and show her to the doctors. And of course, I'm beaming as a new mother. And I said, sure, take her on back. She was gone for a few minutes, comes back out with the baby. And she says, you know what Dr. So-and-so said? I was like, what? She said, he looked, took one look at her and he said, typical baby, um, typical IDM, which stands for infant of a diabetic mother. And typically they're large and puffy because she was a big baby. Is this, was, is this the uh, same nurse from the earlier story? It's the same nurse. May I say something, Pam? Please. You're a bitch lady. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> she is. She is indeed. And yeah, I mean, she's, like I said, she's been retired. And I had to go into that lab, their lab a few weeks ago, um, just to get blood work drawn. And she was volunteering or working out front, helping people with the COVID screening. I was like, good grief. They have not gotten rid of her yet. Wow. But that's <laughs> terrible. Yeah. You know, I don't, listen, I put up an episode the other day. This is going to be, yours will come out months and months and months after this. But I put up an episode the other day with Arden. It's the first time Arden's ever been on the podcast. I've already listened to it. Thank you. Oh, good. You have context. Okay. So Arden did not want to be on the podcast. She's literally just turned 17 a week ago. She's doing it for community service. I, you know, and I don't mean she didn't want to be on it. Like she doesn't want to help. I mean, it's not her thing. She's not part of this. I know it might seem odd to all of you, but she even says in the episode, like, she's like, this is your world. I don't like, I'm not involved in this. Okay. And she also, she's me in a smaller person, whether she'll say it out loud or not. She's sarcastic and dry and funny and witty. And she wants to be entertaining when she knows it's appropriate. And, and so I was like, let her come on and introduce herself because she's going to come back on and we're going to talk about some management stuff about, you know, for when she, you know, starts taking more control of herself. Not that she doesn't now and, and go off to college. Um, you know, I, I don't know if I was clear enough in that episode that Arden does generally 80% of the time take care of her blood sugars, like that I'm not very involved in it anymore. And that's been pretty new over the last year, where I think I've gone more from like 50-50 to more like 80-20. And we didn't really say that in there because I was going to say it in in the upcoming episodes. Now, I'm going to tell you that 99.9% of the people who have reached out about this episode really enjoyed it. They can see Arden's sarcasm. They get get fun. They know she's funny and and she's quick and what... One person was left such a rude and horrid comment about her. Aww. And and when I read it, I thought, oh, this person doesn't hear sarcasm. Like it's it's almost like reading a transcript of comedy. You know what I mean? Like you're you'd be like, I don't understand what this like why this doesn't make any sense. This is bad. So this person took it completely the wrong way. And, you know, had and not that they can't have their own reaction and that I expected everyone to like Arden. She's really I mean, I could even imagine that that would be not the case, but I don't get going somewhere where, you know, other people are going to see it and saying it like if you really Uh. think something poor about a child, then think it. That's fine. And in the same tone, I don't care if they took that baby in the back. And they were like, that's the ugliest baby I've ever seen in my entire life. Is that a horn growing out of the side of its head? Oh, my God, a monster. If that's what they thought, when they bring your baby back to you, 
you go, congratulations. Everyone loves seeing the baby. Like, exactly. I who would do that? Yeah. What, what kind of a person would, would, what is the, what is the, like, what do you get out of that? Like, yep. re- really ask yourself, like, what do you get out of handing a new mother her baby back and saying, oh, this looks like one of those babies that came out of an unhealthy diabetes lady. Congratulations. Mm-hmm. Even the doctor saw it. Like, you know, yeah. oh, oh, gosh, that's terrible. It's I don't understand. <laughs> I really don't understand. And, and, and you might have gotten me a little more with that story because I just saw this thing happen to Arden. Now I saw it pop up and I want you to know the way I handled it for everyone listening is I just deleted their comment. <laughs> so, yeah, good for you. Yeah, because it's, what am I going to do? I mean, what would you have done in that moment? Had a yeah. thoughtful conversation with this person who's hell bent on making a problem, you yeah. know? So it's not, we're not in the UN trying to figure out the world. Like this, we don't need a spirited back and forth here. It's my baby. And you gave her your baby too. I bet you that pissed you off the most afterwards. Oh, I was so pissed. She was touching her. Oh, so pissed. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I bet. Yep. Oh yeah. Yeah, And clearly it's been 31 years. I'm still bothered by it. (laughs) I was going to say, your daughter's probably got her own kids now. And you're, you're like, oh, heavens to Betsy. Before I tell you about the ads, let me tell you that I came within a hair's breadth of calling this episode Heavens to Betsy, because I don't remember the last time I heard anybody say that. Okay, you ready? Here I go. I'm going to reach down deep into my soul, a part of me that remembers things that I've done in the past. I'm just going to work off a memory here. The Contour Next One blood glucose meter is highly accurate. In fact, it is the most accurate blood glucose meter that I've ever used. It's also incredibly easy to handle, to hold, to carry, to use at night, to use in the dark, to use uh, during winter solstice. That's true, actually, by the way. It's the easiest blood glucose meter I've ever used during the winter solstice. You, you can't dispute that. Here's what you're going to do. You're going to go to Contour Next com forward slash juice box and check it out. It's possible, possible you hear that the contour next one blood glucose meter and the test strips that go along with it may be cheaper cash, like, you know, hot money out of your pocket than it is through your insurance. Now that may also not be true, but it also may just be covered by your insurance. One way or the other, you deserve to have a blood glucose meter that is simple, makes your life easier, is easy to read, and is accurate. Just think about it right now. Are you making decisions with a blood glucose meter that's not accurate? How would you know? Did you just take the meter when your doctor gave it to you? Did you get your meter out of a bubblegum machine, or did you find it on the floor at the hospital? Like, you know what I mean? Like, are you sure you got a good one? If you get the contour, uh uh-oh, my voice is breaking. I was doing okay there. So tired. If you get the Contour Next One blood glucose meter, you will have an accurate meter that's easy to use, has second chance test strips, and so much more. Go to contournext.com forward slash juice box to get started today. All right, I did it. Now, just let me remind you that Touched by Type 1 is my favorite diabetes organization. They're out there doing good things in the world. For people living with type 1 diabetes and all they want from you is for you to check out their Facebook page, their Instagram account, 
or find them on the web at touchedbytype1.org. I did it. I'm very comfortable saying I did a good job. I'm just going to put my head down on the desk now, take a nappy, and then I'm going to do the outro and button this thing up. All right. If I don't pass out, I'll be back in a second. If I do pass out, you're going to get about about 17 minutes of silence before the show picks back up again. But I can't even form a word. I said but, and then I couldn't think of another thing to say. That's how tired I am. Any of your children have autoimmune issues? They do not, thank goodness. I haven't done trial net with any of them. Um, when trial net became a thing, I talked to them about it. Actually, trial net had probably been a thing for a while before I found out about it. But um, I also joined our local JDRF board, and that also helped me learn about a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, they all decided that they'd rather just have a healthy lifestyle and eat lowish carb plus beer. <laughs> Some of my boys like beer. Um, but they would rather just keep on keeping on. And if it happens, it happens. Hopefully it won't. The, the youngest is just about, he's almost 21. So, right. Um, it hasn't happened yet. Thank goodness. I'm going to knock on some wood right now. <laughs> well, I think it's, you know, I think anybody's decision is right. I wonder for you, was it difficult that they wouldn't look? No, it's fine. You were okay with it. I really was because I had gone through so many years not knowing, well, trial net didn't exist. Right. Um, it's almost like, you know, if you're going to find out, you can do some genetic counseling and find out if you have, you're going to get cancer. Um, sometime in your life. I'm like, I'd almost rather not know. I, I, I'm kind of in that school of thought. Mm-hmm. That may change eventually. We'll see. If they ever wanted to be tested, I'd be all for it. But I'm also not pushing them. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, if the, if the day ever comes where knowing that you're going to get it statistically, and by the way, we have a pill you can take that'll stop that from happening, then suddenly there'll be, well, this is, there'll yeah. be a run on that testing then. Um, you know, I'll, I'll take it too. I mean, I'm 50 and I... I I would tell you that if I didn't make this podcast that I would a million percent never think maybe I could get type one diabetes. Like I would just Mm -hmm. think I would, I would think I made it to 50. Like that's not going to happen. And, but having spoken to so many people, I I, I don't imagine that I couldn't just wake up one morning and be like, Oh, I'm paying a lot. You know what I mean? Like, so it it seems reasonable to me. All right. Well, Pam. Mm -hmm. So the first part wasn't great, (laughs) but it was, so somehow you you lived a great life and you're you have no no ill effects right now that you can speak of? Not that I know of. No. Wow, that's pretty cool. Yeah. And how long ago did you start making a meaningful change in how you thought about your diabetes? Um probably after college um had a meaningful I mean worked probably harder after college but really didn't start to put the pieces together until we got married, but then there weren't, we didn't have the tools. Right. I just worked really hard. I pricked my fingers all the time. Okay. And that was 33 years ago. Um, again, it wasn't anything like what we have now. Things really started to cruise for me um, with the CGM. And I had, oh gosh, I don't think I've ever heard you mention this one. I don't know that you even are aware of it, but there was a thing, I don't know who made it, called the Gluco Watch. I don't know that. No, (laughs) it looked like a great big chunky man's watch and you wore it on your wrist. 
but the sensor was beneath the face of the watch. So it made contact with your wrist and it basically burned a little hole in you. Um, and it gave you a blood sugar reading on it. Um, it may have also told time. I don't know that it did that, but it did not work worth beans. Um, but I tried that for a while and then eventually switched to, um, the N-Light sensor, which was the one that Medtronic made that came with the harpoon. Think, Is that the one they call the harpoon? Um, yes. Yes. Okay. yes. It, it was hard to insert. It hurt like a mother. And it also gave you decent readings about 50% of the time, 25% of the time it was spot on. And the other 20, 25% of the time it was a hundred points off. This, um, let me ask you real quick about the Gluco watch. Was it around the early 2000s? The start of the 2000s? Yes, because yeah. our last child was born in 2000 and I was, I have had a horse at the time and I would go to the barn with this thing on my hand. So yes, it was okay. probably early 2000s. Did it sure. look like a, wow, I think I found it online. Um, it, did it look like a big pager with a screen in the middle, two buttons on the left, two buttons on the right and like a big like clothy strap? Yeah, it was yeah. round. It looked like a um, looked like a diving watch, like a scuba diving watch. Oh, okay. The one I had was round and and clunky, and it had a rubber band. I'm finding a different, a couple of number, a, a few different, but not too many different pictures online, and and you're telling me that it it made it. How did it, how did it get to your? It it had some sort of sensor on the back of it that really just sensed right through your skin. It was like a photo eye or something, but it really, it burned your skin. It gave you, so you had to, the next time you changed it, took it off and put it back on, you had to rearrange it a little on your, on the back of your wrist. So you would have, you take it off, you have all these little red circles all over the back of your arm that were burned. They're basically like little burns. And it didn't work. No. And it hurt. <laughs> it didn't work and it hurt. Well, yeah. there's, there's a sales pitch. Hey, <laughs> the Gluco watch, it won't work and it hurts. Yeah. <laughs> but what I will say, and and rather than, and I stuck my nose up at it and said, this is a piece of garbage. I'm not mm -hmm. using this anymore. It did that for a few times. Same with the end light sensor. The thing hurts. I hate it. doesn't work well. In retrospect, I am so thankful for those companies for trying because at the next company that came along, you know, used them as a little, they Spring were up the, up the ladder a little higher and they everybody ended up learning from all of the mistakes and all the cruddy stuff that was out there. So I, I now can take a step back and be thankful. Of course I have the G six and the Omnipod that works so great and I'm looping. So it's, um, it's great now that I have some stuff that works and I'm glad that everybody else tried to get us here. Well, yeah. And that isn't said enough. And I, 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 I honestly, so I'll joke about the old Medtronic stuff, right? Because I mean, not because I have any knowledge of it, because everyone who comes on is like, oh yeah, that thing, you know? Mm -hmm. um, but I do try to, and I have a number of times said, in fairness to them, they're out of the gate real early with the technology and somebody's got to do it wrong so somebody can do it right. And sure. and, and that's uh, ballsy to to go first and um, and very, very valuable to people. So yeah, so thank you, Gluco Watch. Exactly <laughs> for burning a hole in Pam's arm <laughs> and giving people the idea that it would be nice to know what their blood sugar is, uh, yeah. but that it would need to be done differently. Well, well, yeah, I agree with you a hundred percent. And and not only that, but stuff that we think of right now as being just cutting edge, those companies will need to keep innovating, or someone else will swoop in under them too. Right. So, so let let's. Let's all applaud the um, 
the fact that these companies exist and that they're all trying to make money because that's what keeps them innovating and what keeps them innovating keeps you healthier and whatever today's version of a, a burn on your wrist is will be gone one day because of that. And that's, uh, right. that's wonderful. And less, fewer people will have your story. You know? Exactly. You know. do, yeah. you, do you ever think about that? If you were born now, you'd have a completely different experience with diabetes. I would. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think about it though. Good. When, when you see other people, um, and I'm not trying to get you to badmouth people, but when you see people complain nowadays about diabetes, what's the like in the back of your head thought? Um, yeah, I, that's, that's how I, I can't even shake my head at them or think, Oh, good grief. What are you kidding me? Because if I were in their shoes, I'd be doing the same thing. Um, it just makes me thankful that, you know, by the grace of God, here I am and I'm, I'm fine. Um, that was one of the reasons I really wanted to come on this show was to, to tell people, um, and again, not to, not to talk about Dr. Jody Stanislaw so much, but she, she saved, she went to her mother's recently, her mother had a stroke and she had to go back to her mother's house and help. And she found all of her logs from when she was a child, hmm. the logs I was telling you about that we would have to take the doctor, yeah. take to the doctor's office. And she saved them for whatever reason. And they were all the blocks were filled with 200, 300, 250 for like page after page after page. Right. And she's fine. And granted, we're not saying you should be doing that. But I guess I, I offer that to people because it is inspirational to know that these parents are worrying about their kid having a 150 blood sugar on occasion or 200 here and there. I mean, that's we likely were walking around with those numbers for years. Was that that's regular and MPH, though, for her as well? Yeah, yeah. right. Correct. Yeah, there's something about it's funny because I, I take your point and I do and I know what you're saying. You're saying to people like, look, if you've had a bad go of it, don't give up because it doesn't mean you're done. You know what I mean? Keep mm -hmm. keep going. Mm -hmm. And then there's the part of me that wants to say, please don't forget all the people who come on this podcast who have serious problems who grew up yeah. through that same time period with that same sliding scale with that same insulin. And it is it did not work out well for them. And, yeah. you know, it, it, it really is a, it's a crapshoot. Maybe, maybe there's a little bit of just genetic luck involved or randomness that you, that we'll never be able to put our fingers on. Um, mm -hmm. But I just saw someone on Facebook the other day talking about their doctor saying something, the doctor basically said, look, you can put all this effort in if you want, you can keep great A1Cs if you want and great blood sugars. And that doesn't mean your kid's not going to have problems down the road. Yeah. And uh, honestly, it's a it's a realistic statement, but you know it, it to me falls a little more into the category of you know if you take my baby, bring it back and say something nice, uh, you, you know like like there's a person yeah. doing a great job for their kid out there, and then you're telling them I oh, don't even bother because even if you do well, it might still go bad. That's a the wrong way to think about it. And people were having a long conversation about it, and it it really the original poster was thrown by it. Like, well, what am I? What am I trying so hard for if this is what's going to happen? Sure. And I just came in and I said one thing and I left. I said, look, you could wear your seatbelt and look both ways and still get hurt in an accident. But that doesn't mean you take the belt off and close your eyes. Like, mm -hmm. right? Like, this is the best you can do. You should be doing the best you can do. Like, like your silly doctor who told you this was trying to give you the probably the idea of, and I don't even know why you would do it, but my inference is, is what the doctor wanted to say to her is like, look, you know, 
sometimes things happen and you might not be able to stop them. But I don't know why you would say that to somebody with a small child who's having a lot of success. True. You know, I guess again, because maybe that person had a bad day. I, I don't, or just thought they were doing the right thing and maybe their execution was poor. I, I don't know, yeah. but it seemed but this, incredibly This horrible. is where you come in. I mean, this is why your podcast has blown up because number one, you have fabulous knowledge um, of type one. My husband's, my husband's a surgeon and he, we listen whenever we go to our place in the country, which is two hours from here. We, I, I always make him listen. <laughs> I don't have to make him listen anymore because he loves your podcast. Oh. And he said to me one day, he said, I wish I, I wish I knew as much as he did. And of course I thought that was so kind. The other part of me was like, well, come on, what's stopping you? Um, <laughs> but you're, you, I think the other thing that makes you so credible is that you're not medically trained and you of course precede all of your podcasts with that, you know, saying so. And so that takes you off the hook for people getting ugly with you about anything that might not work for them, but worked for Arden. Um, and you're, you just have a wet, you're funny as hell, which I, I have love your personality and your <laughs> sense of humor. I, I just can, I'd love to talk to you for another two hours about all that. But the thing that really is wonderful in addition to your knowledge and your humor is, sorry, you, um, you're so kind and you take into account the person you're talking to. I mean, you've talked to little kids, that little, I don't know, 10 or 11 year old that was so articulate. And then you talk to a hundred year old, somebody's aunt who the aunt did, she didn't have type one, but one of her, maybe a grandchild or somebody. She was terrific. Yeah. Oh my gosh. But you were so appropriate with both of them and, and everybody in between age wise and T1D knowledge wise. The other thing you're really good at, which I think people learn from is you'll have somebody on, I just listened to one recently um, who has had type one for a long time. They, they feel like they have it down. They're pretty good. Their A1Cs are pretty good or maybe not so good, but they're adamant about what they do and they do it all the time care wise, but they're clearly missing a couple of things and you'll very gently work into the conversation. Hey, how about we, you know, did you ever think about doing such and such or, you know, maybe it's a pre-bolus comment or a, Oh, I know the one lady who was going low and you said, how about, would you ever, I don't know that you would want to right now, but maybe you'd see what the fingertip stick looks like. And, you know, it, it, you just have a good way of not telling people things, but suggesting things. And it's, you're very kind about it. And I, I just think that makes your podcast and your help so, so useful. Oh, that is very kind. Thank you. I completely agree. I'm wonderful. So <laughs> <laughs> I, I would say to you that I, I don't think people learn by being told things. Yeah. And that it's helpful to keep in your head that while you're speaking to a person, there are countless other people in their situation listening. So true, true. the one real gift that people who come on the show give when they're so honest and allow a back and forth like that is that they become an example for the other people. Mm-hmm. And so it's not it's my goal to use your story as an example to someone else, but to not rob you of the experience just because you're the example. Does that make sense? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Okay. 100%. Yeah. I would feel badly 
if you said something on this podcast today that ended up being incredibly impactful for other people, but I somehow hurt you in the process of getting it, I don't see that as an equitable trade. So there yep. needs to be a way for you to be serviced and for the people listening to be serviced at the same time. Love it. Well, you're succeeding. So keep on doing what you're doing. Thank you. All I'm doing is whatever makes sense to me. Just so you know, <laughs> I, I, I mean, there's no master plan. There's a couple of things I do on purpose, you know, um, and about growing the show. I am very thoughtful about growing the show. Um, I just had a conversation with one of the advertisers yesterday and um, we were talking about it. And I said, look, this is a weird, it's, it's always a weird conversation, right? Because the bigger the show gets, the more money the advertiser has to pay me to be on the show. But the bigger the show gets, the more people the advertiser reaches. So they're okay with that. And I like getting more money. So I want to be honest about that. However, sure. my focus is reaching more people to help more people or potentially help mm -hmm. more people. Mm -hmm. So as long as I can get up in the morning, say these words, and they're true, I'm making the podcast to help as many people as I can. Yeah, 100%. Right. Thank, thank you. And I, I hope I'm not cutting you off, but I, I know for a fact there aren't enough of you out there helping. I mean, I, I want your podcast to be number one. I'm great with that. But I mean, Dr. Jody doesn't have a podcast, but um, <laughs> she's reaching people another way. And, mm -hmm. you know, she's got some online courses and stuff that are free. And she does take people for private, um, private help if you pay for that, obviously, like Jenny does. But um, there aren't enough of them. I mean, not everybody knows about Jenny. Not everybody knows about you. Yeah. Not everybody knows about Dr. Jody. Uh, I'm sure there are maybe a handful of other good folks out there helping. Um, just, I wish there were more. Well, um, well there's, you know, what about, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, you had that one gentleman on one time who his, his goal was to help people with diabetes who, who don't have access to the internet. Mm -hmm. Maybe I can't remember his name, but he has, um, he does have a website. I looked him up afterwards um, but his goal was to, you know, like third world country folks and, and just all the other people out there who are struggling, who are never going to learn all the things we're talking about. I feel, that was another whole thing that was sad for me. I'm like, yeah. Oh God, I didn't even think about those people. <laughs> well, first I feel badly. I don't remember that episode, but, um, there I've made a lot of them. So you'll have to forgive me yeah. for that. If you guys are, I think there's 520 out now, mm -hmm. but I, but if I could put every episode out that's recorded right now, there'd be like. 620. So wow. I'm already, uh, I'm, I'm very far ahead in my mind of where we are in reality, which is sometimes difficult to, uh, when I edit the shows, it's almost like I've heard them for the first time and I'm the one on the recording, you know, so it, yeah. it, it's no, kind of a it. bigger thing. Access, access to information <clears throat> for people outside of people who are online I think everyone's online at this point, you know, or, or many more people than were 10 years ago. And I know it's not everybody. You're not gonna, you can't reach everybody. So you have to, in my opinion, make the, um, draw the line in your head that says we can't reach everybody, but let's do the best for the people we can find. And then let's look for ways to find more people mm -hmm. where these things fall short. And this is going to sound pompous. Um, it, well, listen, that's not true. This could sound pompous to you. If it does, 
you're not hearing me the way I mean it. But the reason the podcast needs to be big, the reason it needs to reach more people is because whether those people are on the internet or not, they are unreachable because no one knows to look for the information. Mm-hmm. They're all caught in some version of what you've described mm-hmm. since you've been on, right? They just think this is what this is or the doctor knows or whatever. They're not, they don't get up in the morning and think, oh, my average blood sugar is 223. I should be looking for another option. They think my, my blood sugar's average blood sugar is 223. This is my life. Right. This is what's going to happen. So you have to find a person, impact them positively, so much so that they're willing to go find another person to tell them about it. Yeah. That's a slow growth process. You And there is no other way to do it. Well, and it's frustrating. There are actually two people that you, just like you described, in my hometown that I have found out about, and I've met with each of them a number of times. And I'm 100% positive that I can help them both, but they just won't let me help them. Yeah, they don't care. Or they I had don't to take it. Well, they, they care. That's the weird thing. They're, they care and they're always scratching their heads. I'm like, this one guy has a G6 for crying out loud and a pump. Mm-hmm. I was like, you know, his, I went over to meet with him. His, he uses the PDM and his phone, his phone had lost charge. So he didn't have any, his phone was dead. Couldn't tell what his blood sugar was. Yeah. I'm like, let's go in and get a charger. Let's charge that thing up. And then we were eating and he, his PDMs in the car and he, I'm like, are you going to dose for this? Uh, it's in the car. Well, go get it. Go trot right out there and get it. Come on. Yeah. You know, and I tried to, and this was probably our third meeting, but I, I just, you know, now all my texts to him have gone unanswered. So I've <laughs> taken a step back, well, but Pam, that just amazes me. Yeah. That story is very common for me to hear from people. I'm thinking of a number of people right now who contact me and say, my friend's killing themselves and they won't listen to me. And the best I can tell you is that you can't save everybody. Yeah, and true. that and and by the way, that the episode that came out this morning, you're gonna love. Oh, good! It's called "Sunk Cost Fallacy," Ooh. and you're going to like it based on what you just said just now. Um, I can't wait. Yeah, but so so the the idea of growing the show is it's it's twofold for me. It's reaching more people with the potential to help more people. And it's to reach more people so that I can turn back to the advertisers and go, hey, this is more valuable than it was yesterday. You need to give me more money. And then I get to send my children to school. Um, I get to pay my bills. I get to wake up in the morning and think about the podcast. And I know that that's a um, might be a weird thing for people who don't do stuff like this. But if I'm not financially able to think about this podcast, then this podcast wouldn't be what it is right now. And but it would lose the you, opportunity to be something else in the future. You need to get over that. And I know you had a rough growing up time. Y'all didn't have a lot of money, but time is money, buddy. Your <laughs> your your value of yourself for these podcasts. I know you're so understated, and I do love that about you. But you deserve every bit of any kind of change that comes your way, and then some. Um, and that's not a bad thing. I mean, you don't think that way about Jenny. You don't think it's bad that Jenny gets paid for what she's doing. I don't know. You don't think it's bad that the De- Dexcom guys are getting paid for what they're doing, right? I, I, I mean, don't. No, I don't think it's bad that anybody gets paid for what they're doing. I My cutoff is when people take money in ways that is not above board. Yeah, well, what you're doing is above board. Oh, so. no, I, oh, I appreciate you saying that. I, I yeah. trust me. I believe in what I'm doing. And I, okay. and I, and I believe in my heart that I'm doing it for the right reason. I don't question that. I just think that if, 
you know, I'm going to pick an outlandish number so I can make this point, right? If I was making $10 million a year making this podcast, and let's all laugh together because that's not <laughs> happening, okay? But if that was happening and I was reaching, I don't know, half of the population of people with type 1, then I would tell you, like, that's probably right compensation for that, right? Mm-hmm. But I still would never feel comfortable telling anyone that. I would, I would think that would be insulting to people who work hard at their jobs and don't have the opportunity to make an excess amount of money. I get that. Yeah, I just don't, I just, that doesn't sit right with me. And, and it's a very popular thing to do online right now. And I can't wrap my head around that. There are um, YouTube people who have very popular YouTube videos telling people how they made so much money. Wow. And I think that all seems wrong to me for some reason. Like, I don't understand it. I, I don't, I don't think they should stop doing it. And I don't have a judgment about them doing it. I guess I feel very strange about the fact that it's a popular thing to tell other people, this is how I got rich. Right. Well, yeah. it's certainly not a traditional form of making money and maybe that's part of it. I don't right. know. Right. I also, for context, don't believe that I will ever make a million dollars a year <laughs> or a half a million dollars <laughs> a year doing this. Um, but it does, you know, it it does, it needs, you need to understand the the business function of it. If you believe that the podcast is helping people and that by reaching more people, it will help more people, you need to understand the reality of the business behind it, which is that if I don't have advertisers, this doesn't exist like this. Yeah. And so oh. it just won't <laughs> happen. Which brings me to one of my favorite things that you said one time. I'm sorry if I'm changing the direction of you're where you're fine. trying to go, but I can't remember exactly how you said it, but it was something to the effect of, surely if I started an online ministry and ripped people off, I know I could do it and be really good at it. <laughs> <laughs> I do jokingly and half jokingly believe I could do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was so good. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, I, I it was great. But I grew up in a time where there were like four guys on television who were, you know, pushing on people's foreheads, knocking them over and then putting a, an 800 number up on the screen and asking for money at the same time, you know. So oh, yeah. and and the fact that that works on somebody um I feel badly about. But I if yeah. I was a bad person, if you tapped me on the head with like, you know, uh what was that thing in that first Avengers movie where they made Hawkeye a bad guy? This is probably not a a, a reference you know. But um no. if you if Loki made me into a bad guy, I know immediately I can talk. <laughs> so I I would probably <laughs> lean into that at some point. Uh it, it's um it's a lovely skill. Like people love like storytelling's as human as it comes. And, and and it is how people learn. And I just think that there are a lot of well-meaning people in the world with flow charts and graphs who think they're going to help people. And I'm telling you, you're not going to help anybody like that. It just, yeah. it, it, that is not how people learn. And especially in this society, when I could click on a link and hear about how a 19 year old girl's living in a $3 million house because of a video <laughs> she made about curling her hair. Well, let me tell you something. <laughs> I'm gonna watch that first. Okay. Because that's, <laughs> crazy i just cursed i gotta write down the time where i curse so i can remember to take it out um so uh that to me i just think you you need to understand where people are so you can go there and meet them Mm -hmm. and you also can't be childish about the idea of growth because people come and go out of spaces you know like i have use instagram as an example i have no real impact on instagram but i have twelve thousand followers 
if you think those 12,000 people are all on Instagram all day, they're not. Most of them are gone. So, you know, for you, a person who has 300 followers on Instagram, you're probably talking to 30 people. Yeah. And I'm probably talking to the rule of 10 always applies. It always applies. If you get a, I'll, I'll give you a great example. I think everyone who lives in the United States who has type 1 diabetes or care gives for someone that, that does would, if they wanted to make a nice impact with a very little amount of effort, go to the T1D exchange and fill out their survey. Mm-hmm. Now, I get paid every time somebody does that. All right. But at the same time, I really genuinely believe in it. And you guys are going to have to take my word for the fact that the T1D exchange is about the 50th company that came to me and asked me about something like this. And only the first one I said yes to. So I could have sold you guys any number of crappy things over the years. And I say, no, 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 no. I'm waiting for the thing that helps people with diabetes and helps Mm -hmm. the podcast. T1D exchange, in my opinion, is that thing. Yeah. If I drive. So (laughs) the people who come through my, through my link, they um, they complete the survey at a much more uh, frequent rate than people who come from other places, mm-hmm. which is lovely, and I thank everybody for that. But- yeah, no, I mean, I I definitely did it. You make it abundantly clear on your the little precursor on all of your podcasts um, what a legitimate organization that is. It, it is interesting to me. You had a lady on recently who you mentioned it to, and she clearly thought it was some sort of other, you know, thing where you had to go have your blood drawn and actually show up in person and wear a gadget or something. She clearly didn't know anything about it. Um, which is surprising to me that somebody, by the time they get on your show, haven't figured out that, but I'm glad you talk about it because it is totally legit. Yeah. And it's, and it's one of those things, but to my point or my earlier point, the rule of tens apply for everybody for, but for people who come through me apparently, but, um, (laughs) you have to drive You'd have to drive a hundred, you'd have to get a hundred people interested just to get 10 people to click yeah, to get one person to complete the survey. And that's, that's how this works. So even when, when you share the podcast with somebody, if you find, if, if you personally, Pam went out and found 10 people and said, look, this podcast is amazing. You have diabetes, listen to it you still might only get one or two people of the 10 to actually listen to the show. Hmm. And so that, so the, that's what people don't understand. They see their numbers and they get impressed by them. They're like, I have 50,000 people following me on Facebook. I'm like, "Mm, you got about 5,000, right? Hmm. So it's always that sort of that 10% rule. It, it, it's never what it seems to be. You know, you see somebody with 45,000 Instagram followers. Why do they have 200 likes on their picture? And they'll say like, uh, I'm being throttled by Instagram. They're, they're hiding my posts. And eh, that's not what's happening. It, yeah. It's that people come and go out of these spaces so quickly. And if you really want to help them, and if you really want to impact them so well that they will go out and tell someone else so that you have the opportunity to impact another person again, then you have to give them great content and it has to be interesting and entertaining, not just good. It can't just be a perfect flow chart for how to get your blood sugar right because that that's not how people think. And right. so if you're going to give me credit for something, you can give me credit for understanding that because that is that backroom thought is why the podcast is doing so well, because I understand the space. 
Yeah. So yeah, no, we you you totally totally see the whole picture. Yeah, love it. Man, and this is all I'm good at, by the way. <laughs> so if you just pick me. <laughs> I up, find that hard to believe. Uh, you pick me up out of this room and give me a lot of other things to do. You'll be like, mm, we should have got somebody else except for Scott for this. <laughs> <laughs> I just um, things just came together here. And and worked out like this. I I I didn't really realize it until I wrote a book one time, and um, when I was talking to the publisher after I handed the manuscript, we were having this conversation. I'm not going to remember her words, like, but her 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 tone was, "You took this really complicated thing and made it so accessible. How did you do that?" And I laughed and I said, if you think I did that on purpose, you're out of your mind. Like, I was like, this is just the only way I know how to explain this. So mm-hmm. she said, you you took a very complicated thing and made it very easy to understand. And I said, okay. And I took that as a compliment and I held on to it. I'm like, maybe that is the thing I'm good at. And then yeah. when I started writing more about diabetes management stuff, um, I was like, oh, people are understanding what I'm saying. And if you really go back and look at it, there's nothing technical about what I've said. And then they're having results. So it's not just good enough for them to understand it. They have to be able to replicate it and right. and put it into practice. So anyway, that's a long way off the topic. No, I mean, I just think you capture so many different types of people. And that's a beautiful thing because even though we have the common denominator of type one, we're all different. We have different backgrounds. We we have different medical cover uh, insurance coverage if we have it at all, um, and they're just so many of your tips can be used by all of us, one way or the other. Even if we're not all doing it the same way, um, it's just great. You know, our healthcare system has such a, a, a illness focus, which drives me bananas. Mm-hmm. You know, they'll pay for you to have surgery or or pay for you to have dialysis, but they won't pay for a CGM or for insulin. Yeah. They won't tell you how to stop you from getting sick. They'll only tell you how to like slow it down once it happens so that hopefully you don't die as quickly from it. Yeah. Yay. Thanks. Yeah, (laughs) I know. But I do think we can change that. I don't know exactly how to change that. Um, Do you think so? Because COVID should have made people think I have to be as healthy as I can be. I don't know. I don't know that like, I don't know that you can change the nature of people. And I don't mean people one person at a time. I mean the nature of man in the bigger way. Like, I think that everyone thinks they're okay until they're not. Like, I actually uh, think that's how maybe. brains work. I mean, maybe, but it would start at the school system level. It would start, you know, if I could take a magic wand and completely redo what insurance companies would cover or not cover. Oh, I could fix it. I'm telling you. You think you I could, could take, force people into thinking about yeah, it differently? I would get rid of... Sorry for anything, anyone who's going to be offended by this, but I'd get rid of probably motorcycles. I would get rid of um, tobacco. There are a lot of things I'd get rid of. Um, I don't know. I, I think I could switch it around a little bit. Yeah, but you know, I, I, could, I could make the argument with you right now that, you know, if you could take somebody's motorcycle away and uh, they wouldn't die in a motorcycle accident, but they might be, I don't know, depressed for 20 years then. Like maybe yeah. that motorcycle is the way they let go or like so, there's there's the the bigger question. But I I see what you're saying. Like if you just took people's free will out of the mix for a second, and yeah. and um and laid the world out differently, that things would likely go better for people. I think so. Yeah. No, I mean that's probably not incorrect. 
it's just not going to happen is my point. True. Yeah. So right. yeah, anything you tried, if you, tr- if you stood up today, obviously this is not you making a pronouncement, but if you've got a bunch of money behind you and, uh, you know, and you, you were going to like make a push to, to, I don't know, get rid of motorcycles, then that would turn into, uh, you know, that would turn into something as big as the gun debate right away. Yeah. You know, you, Oh, no doubt. Yeah. I just, yeah. I'm so, not talking about any debating. I'm just talking about in a perfect world. <laughs> yeah. In a perfect world situation. Yeah. Um, Listen, in yeah. a perfect world situation, I'm a little taller. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, me too. <laughs> I'm about 10 pounds lighter. No doubt. <laughs> yeah. I don't even, Pam, I wouldn't even have time to get that magic wand on the rest of the world. I'd be like, first, let me just get myself a little taller and then I'm going to do this. And I, I also would like to tap on my stomach and make my stomach a little more, uh, uh, amenable to like a couple of foods it doesn't like and then i'm going to try this and yeah i i don't know if i'd get around everybody else ever um but i guess i would (laughs) i get i take your point i I really do um but on the 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 here and now question of it i just think that there's something psychologically appropriate about people believing that they're indestructible i think if no doubt i think if, if your brain allowed you every day to realize that you're a soft bag of goo that could easily pop or break, mm-hmm. we might have trouble getting through this life. Yeah. No, I was I was indestructible in my own mind until I started having children. No doubt. Yeah. What just, about that changed it for you? Oh, realizing I had to be here every day to to like to feed her. <laughs> Can't just put her in a closet and come <laughs> and back. Pick her days. up. Yeah. And you had to, I remember driving the first time pulling out onto the little busy four lane highway out of our neighborhood and thinking, Oh my gosh, I wish there was a stoplight here. <laughs> I feel like I'm never going to be able to pull out safely. Um, yeah. Having to be responsible for somebody else really turned the switch on for me as a younger person. Yeah. I was talking to my son the other day about injuries and I said, you know, there was a time, you know, for most of time and, not too long ago where if you broke your leg you were dead you Mm. know like your leg breaks you're done the pack moves on without you you can't move you're in incredible pain and an animal comes along and eats you and that's that like 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 that that's a broken leg and then at some point you know somebody tries to figure out it, it hurts so much they push it back together again maybe they wrap it up put some sticks on the side to hold it straight and it heals and then somebody's like huh the bone healed. That's crazy. And then somebody thinks about it. And, you know, then you learn if you don't heal it exactly perfectly, you end up with pain or a limp or, you know, something like that. I was like, this process, you know, took a long, long time. And we're still in the very beginning of it. Like, I mean, how many, how long ago were, were horses transportation? Like everyday transportation. Yeah, right? yeah like early 1900s. Right. Sure. Not that long ago. And so we're standing in a, sp- a place now where my daughter's cell phone, which I'm telling you, as much as it's part of the life right now, wasn't really a thing. I mean, when did the iPhone come out? 2007? Probably, sure. Uh, yeah. I like how you're just willing to like believe me. I have gonna, no idea. I'm going to look, right? <laughs> First generation iPhone just put, oh, 2007. Well, there you go. I'll be damned. Look at that. <laughs> you, you were right to agree with me. Um, uh, 2007, the first iPhone comes out. It basically didn't do anything. And and now look what it does. And It's unbelievable. And in 2006, the year before, a cell phone was like, it was like this little hunk of plastic that made a phone call and did nothing else. 
And so, yeah. you know, when you start putting all those ideas together, my daughter's wearing a thing right now. You're wearing a thing right now that has a wire going under your skin that's me- measuring the interstitial fluid in your body and reporting back to a cell phone wirelessly that yeah. your blood sugar is this level moving at this speed in this direction. And still people will be like, you know, sometimes I get a Bluetooth outage. This thing sucks. <laughs> like, I know. Is that not amazing <laughs> and incredible all at the same time? I mean, it, it, I do. I scratch my head. Of course, I do have a little freak out when when something goes amiss or I have to rebuild loop or whatever. Um, I do I have to talk myself off the ledge because, you know, I yeah. still have pens and pen needles and I know how to do it. Right. I know how to do it without any kind of gadgetry, but it, it's not as seamless. Right. Um, yeah. No, it's it's a. Uh, crazy well i um i was just in this episode that went up today that i mentioned earlier about sunk cost fallacy i mentioned to the person about you know how we seem to like freak out by such simple things now where i think the um i think the example i used in the episode was you know like we're 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 a nation of people who you know won world war ii and now if my friend says something a little side-eyed on facebook and i think it's met it's it's aimed at me. I'm upset for a week, you know, like, a, know. like how did this happen? <laughs> but the truth is, is that it's because things get so much better so quickly that people grow up with better and better expectations for what success looks like. And so smaller and smaller things look like tragedies. Mm-hmm. And, and mm-hmm. that can be bad for us psychologically, but it does answer why people are like, you know, I don't understand. This thing's supposed to last 10 days and mine only lasts six days. Mine only lasts seven days. Or, you know, uh, my favorite one, which I completely understand, is uh, my medical adhesive gives me a rash. They should fix it. And I want to, I always want to say, like, you think you're the rule, not the exception? Yeah. Because yeah. the internet, you found other people on the internet who have the same problem. They're delivering this product to millions of people. Like, like like millions of these products, like, you know, to countless people, if most people were having your problem, then you don't understand you're an outlier in this. And exactly. but then you get your confirmation bias by going online and find three other people are like, that happens to me, too. And you're like, this happens to everybody. I'm like, OK, yeah, yes, you and huh? 50 other people is not everybody, but OK, um, the way our minds work is I find fascinating. So. It really is, yeah. but yeah, crazy, crazy. Tell me about this um, house that you're allowed to go to on vacation. Should I have <laughs> married a surgeon? Is this <laughs> is this my biggest mistake, Pam? <laughs> you are welcome to come. We'd love to have you and <laughs> come visit. Yeah, you're gonna break my legs and keep me in bed. I saw that movie. I know exactly what's gonna happen. <laughs> And you're picking the wrong guy because I can't rebuild your loop app either. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. I have – bless this, let me tell you a quick story if you have time. Please. Um, so speaking of the loop app, when I I built loop two years ago, August of two, two years ago, and I say I built it. I built it on a weekend. I followed – I'd been reading the whole stack of loop docs, which are incredible, and I'm, I can't believe how many smarty pants people there are out there they can do stuff like that. Yeah. Anyhow, I followed the rules, followed all the directions. I built it. And at the end, it said I had an error. Tried to do all the things to fix the error. Um, couldn't fix it. And so it said, if all else fails, let it, you know, let it rest for a few hours, come back to it after a few hours. And this was at night. So I came back to it the next morning and rebuilt the loop again. And by this time I had like seven errors and I'm about to throw it out the window. Mm-hmm. 
And because it's not my bailiwick. And so a friend of mine had just built it for her daughter and she had it on her laptop. So bless her. She brought her laptop over here and I got it working that way. So this was probably on a Tuesday or a Wednesday. Well, that, that Friday I was leaving to drive to Atlanta to see one of our children and I was going by myself. So I drove down there, took a car load of stuff to him and I get down there and my CGM stops working. I mean, it just went kaput like on day four. Mm -hmm. And I had, I always pack a ton of things, you know, a ton of supplies, extra supplies. I had forgotten to pack a CGM, (laughs) a new sensor. So I'm out of luck. So I get on the little looped Facebook page thing and I, I connected with this sweet guy in South Carolina who was, anyway, he, I didn't even know that Apple health, you could, enter your seed, your glucose numbers into Apple health and have loops still work. Yep. I didn't know that was a thing. So he told me about that. And then he says, I am really five minutes from the interstate. When you're driving back to Virginia, it was an eight hour drive, <laughs> pull off on exit, whatever. And I will give you a sensor so you can have it for the ride home. So I'm, I did it. And on the way home, I'm texting all of my children saying, if I am, if I go missing, this is the exit where I'm getting meeting this guy at a McDonald's on exit, whatever <laughs> off of the interstate. And he sat with me. Not only did he mess with my loop thing and fix some things on it that I had not correct done correctly, gave me a sensor. I got home. Of course I sent him a new one, sent him a gift card, but he stayed in touch with me and he has, he's rebuilt loop for me twice when it was time to do so. And like he does the screen share with me, which I'm so, I just want somebody to take it over for me. Right. And so I guess my point in selling, telling that is that the community <laughs> for helping in addition to you is it's so full of great people. Um, oh, it is. If I can loop, good Lord, anybody can loop yeah. because I don't know how to do that stuff. Part of, part of what I imagine my job to be is to be sort of a central place, like a hub. So that everybody can like at least hear the same thing so that everyone knows that there are people like that guy out there Mm -hmm. and that you can imagine that there might be somebody out there like that for you or that you could be vulnerable. And I mean, maybe not in a McDonald's parking lot, but um, but but, you know, like (laughs) and allow someone to be um, friendly to you and that it might make your situation better. I, I love that that happened. That's absolutely fantastic. And and what a lovely story that you didn't uh uh, it didn't turn into a um, a situation where you were fighting for your life uh, behind yeah. McDonald's. <laughs> throat didn't even get slit. Never I live to tell about it. <laughs> no, I think I think that your expectation. It's interesting, right? Your expectation should be that most people are kind, and I think that most people are kind. Um, yeah. You know, it's uh, the unknown is tough, and there are certainly people who would take advantage of people in situations like that. But I mean, that's a great story that that yeah. and I've seen it, and I've seen it reenacted you know, countless times online where people make those mistakes. Like they go somewhere, forget something. And someone's like, Oh, I'm nearby. I can get it to you. And so nice. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's more common than uncommon. You just need to, you got, everyone needs to be connected so they can know. Like, so there's this really, so there you go. There's this really lovely man somewhere, right? He doesn't have a podcast. You don't know. He's a great person. He doesn't have access. Like there has to be coming together places for people so because everyone doesn't have the can't broadcast their voice as widely as i can and so you you know so i'm 
it is nice to give those people a place to talk. And that's, I mean, I appreciate you coming here and doing that today as well. It's exactly what you did, in my opinion. Oh, um, thank you. Yeah. And even though I don't imagine she'll ever be on, let's say Jody's name one more time. Dr. Jody Stanislaw. She's great. Free, okay. free courses online that really dovetail in with what you do. Okay. That's on you, Pam, because if the free courses turn into a paid program, I don't want to be uh, associated with sending somebody to that because I don't well, know Jody. That's all. I, I, well, and she she does have a paid program, too, but you don't have to do that. You can do the free stuff. I, She's got great info out there. Okay. So I believe you. I want to say that, okay? I have no reason to disbelieve you, and I absolutely believe you. And let's let's say for the sake of argument, she's 100% legit. That is also the business plan that not legit people use. Get it. Yeah. I'll give you a yeah. little bit of free, and then, then the bills start coming. And then just give me your yeah. credit card, and it's just $60 a month. It's just $600 for five months. It's just this. And I'm driven by the knowledge that some of those people are actually getting their information from a clinician and then selling it to you, they don't, it's not their ideas. So look, I, losers. Well, yeah, I, no, could, I'm, I know they're out there. Yeah. I believe me. Yeah, I could be right or wrong, Pam, but this is what I think. And it's derived directly out of the middle of my brain. So I didn't, I didn't go read a book and then decide to talk about it differently. I didn't like, that's not what I did. Like I, yeah. I put this together by writing on a blog and then one day I was like, ooh, this works. It's like a thing. It's almost a system. Mm-hmm. And then I taught myself how to talk about it in a, play, in a way that people could understand. And now it's here and you can do whatever you want with it. Like if you don't want it, like, cool, uh, I don't care. You, you yeah. know, um, and I'm not selling it to you. I'm just more of a, um, I'm just more of a capitalist. I think that you should get it for free and that I will get my money somewhere else. Um, well, I, I think, I know you make that so abundantly clear. And yeah. I think that's part of the reason that you're so believable. Well, number one, everything you say works, but the fact that you blogged at the beginning and before you had figured out um, how to manage Arden, you know, I mean, we saw you from the very beginning. I didn't know you when you had your blog, but um, I think it's so cool that you were honest and open. And I know you were initially doing it so that you could communicate with family, but um, the fact that you've let all that be out there and and people have seen the good, the bad, the ugly, and now they see that you've flipped it and you've made it all work um, partially due to gadgetry and pre-dosing and things like that. But Arden eats regular food, which is the other thing that really drew me in. I'm like, I don't, I don't eat pizza or sandwiches or any of that stuff, but doggone it. He's made that work. Let's see if we can't do the same thing right. over here. Yeah. I, I just think if you can do it with the really difficult stuff, then the easier stuff is, it just gets easier, you, you know? Yeah. So, and, yeah. and I, I don't know another way to do that thing. Like you can say like, it's like, I've made myself, like I've put it out there for people. But even when, like when I, re- you said you heard Arden's episode the other day, right? Yeah, okay. I did. I recorded that and we edited out nothing. Okay. And at, when I listened back to it, to clean it up for noise and stuff like that where I could and put in ads and do the other things that I do. There were moments where I was like, you know, it's her age and she's trying to be funny and everything, but I shouldn't like, like I think a lot of people would take that part out, but then all of a sudden it becomes this practiced thing and it's not real anymore. And then you listen to it and don't hear yourself in it or you don't hear your kid in it. And then what value is it? And then once it's valueless, then you stop listening. And then when you stop listening, 
then new people don't find the pro tip episodes and then those people don't get helped. And then there's just like, I'm just, it's self-preservation. Like, like there are going to be people who hear that and think Arden's like a snotty kid. And all I can tell you is she's not. And so I, I know that to be true and I don't care what other people think. And I also don't think the internet is the, uh, the end all be all of people's opinions. I think that there are far more people who are not on social media than who are. I think that some of the things we pretend are the biggest problems in the world are the biggest problems online. And that doesn't make them the biggest problems in the world. So if somebody doesn't like my daughter, a, I can tell you she don't care. And, and I don't care. What I care about is whatever valuable things came out of her being so candid and well, and you, yeah, yeah. sorry, go ahead. No, uh, and lastly, I care that she made it entertaining enough that you listened through to the end of it. Oh my gosh! And but she, she also, I was laughing. You asked her something about the Jivo Kaipo pen, and her response was, "What? The the what? I don't even know what you're talking about." And and when you got it out and we're showing her what it looked like, and she's like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, I've done that. Don't really even know if I could remember how to do it. I mean, I don't know if I could remember how to use one. I mean, I have that same pen. I've Anyway, but I thought it was interesting that that you are also thinking, well, there are probably a lot of other parents out there who have shown their child how to do this, that, or the other. Maybe it's time for a little refresher course for all of us. Yeah. Which was very useful and helpful. Pam, you see the big picture. Thank you. Totally. You know what I'm Absolutely. doing. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah. I, I will tell you, I was stunned when she, when I was like, you know, the Givo Kaipo pen. She goes, the what? And I'm like, <laughs> and so I, I stopped. I'm like, you know, you're carrying glucagon, right? <laughs> And she says, oh, that thing I moved from my purse to purse. I'm like, yes. And then, but what, you know, so what most people heard, I believe is what I heard, which is she does move it from purse to purse. She yeah. does know it's important and she does know it's, you know, it, it's, it, it, she needs to keep it with her. So, okay, good. Now, luckily for her and even for the conversation, I have a trainer pen on my desk. I don't even know why I still have it. And so I'm like, it looks just like this. I'm like, this is how it works. And I showed her and she goes, yeah, okay. I don't remember that. I was like, but I've showed you this before. And she goes, eh, I believe you. <laughs> so that's the value. Like when she told me she didn't know what generation of the Dexcom she used or that she for years when she was younger thought it was Om- Omnipod. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> I was like, that's what I bet it is for most people. It's the thing I get my insulin from. Yeah. Like we all can get wrapped up in, you know, especially if you're in marketing, if you imagine you're the person at Omnipod who hears that a child who's been wearing Omnipod for, I mean, I'm doing the math in my head, but I think Arden's been wearing Omnipod for like 13 years, right? Yeah. Thir- 13 yeah. years. And she's like, I thought it was Omnipod. And if you're in marketing, you might be like, oh my God, like, what <laughs> are we doing? Like, you know what I mean? But Arden doesn't see the box that comes in. Yeah. Right. She doesn't order them online. You know, she hears and we don't talk about diabetes incessantly at our house. So we're not always yelling Omnipod, Omnipod, Omnipod. And apparently my bad accent when she was younger, it sounded like something else. And here we are. Uh, but I thought it was valuable for people to hear that. And uh, uh, absolutely. And, uh, and absolutely. I, she was funny. I thought I, I was laughing. Oh my gosh. I, I loved your banter back and forth. She really is a little you. Just, and you've always said that. So it didn't come to me. It didn't come as a surprise to yeah. me. It would come to a surprise to her though. She, she oh, really, funny. she believes she's an autonomous thing, which is great. She's, 
just turned 17 and that's how she should yeah, think about herself. Yeah, she needs to keep thinking that. Yeah. That's she'll, she'll come back. She'll she'll be so glad she's a chip off the old block when she's a little older. I'll be dead <laughs> when she figures it out and I won't get any I won't get any uh, satisfaction out of it. I know. Or I'll be too old to care. Like I want it right now when I can really oh, relish in it, you know what I mean? So funny. <laughs> Pam, so I appreciate so that you get me and that you wanted to come on the show. Thank you very oh much. Oh my gosh, I totally get you. Well, heavens to Betsy. I want to thank... That doesn't even fit there. I don't care. Heavens to Betsy. I want to thank the Contour Next One blood glucose meter. Go to contournext.com forward slash juice box to get started today with the bestest blood glucose meter that I've ever used. And I'm, I, I, I mean that actually. Contournext.com forward slash juice box. Don't forget to check out Touched by Type 1 at touchedbytype1.org or on Facebook or Instagram. Thanks so much to Pam for coming on the show and chatting me up. I had a very nice time talking to her. Pam really does get me, and that's why that's the episode title. Plus, I'm exhausted. I cannot think of anything else. I'm really wiped out. I'm going to go to sleep now. I'm going to wake up in the morning. I'm going to record a podcast episode, and then I'm going to edit podcasts all day long. Like, think about my schedule. I'll tell you right now. I need to do three tomorrow. So my best guess, I'm going to edit podcast like five or six hours tomorrow. And then I'm going to button up the one that you'll hear the next day, put it up online. I think I got about eight or nine hours on the podcast tomorrow, but that's okay. I love the podcast. I just, I'm very tired right now. I told you my schedule got, it got foobarred a little bit and I'm running off schedule. You know what I mean? Like the clock and I are not lined up. We're not simpatico at the moment, me and time. But I think I can find it. I think tomorrow's my day. Um, I'm supposed to say other stuff here. Hold on. Uh, if you want to check out the Diabetes Pro Tip series, go to juiceboxpodcast.com, diabetesprotip.com, or look right there in your podcast player. The Diabetes Pro Tip series begins at episode 210. If you're newly diagnosed and looking for some understanding, check out the Defining Diabetes episodes. They're also available in the places I just told you and in your podcast player. Podcast. Podcast is not a word, and I don't care. I push on. Are you subscribed right now? Like, are you listening in a, listening, listening in a podcast player? If you are and you're not subscribed, like if you're manually downloading episodes, it hurts my feelings. So hit subscribe or follow. Um, that's pretty much that. And, uh, boy, I don't know. I'm a little dizzy. Um, I'm going to thank you and I'm going to leave and that's it. Bye.